Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. Welcome to Dan's Talks. My my guest today is Geraldo Rivera, uh, the well-known, uh, I guess, co-host of most everything, including Fox and ABC and go way back all the way to uh, Goodnight America. And he's here to talk today for, we have 20 minutes with him, uh, about uh, something on his mind about taking his boat. Can you tell me a little <laughs> bit about that? He's <laughs> in Hampton Bays, by the way. How many is Hampton? Hi, Dan. Uh, my, my wife tried to get to East Hampton today from Hampton Bays. It took an hour and a half in traffic. And I, what I, I wonder about is, at what point does the infrastructure uh, just become totally inadequate to deal with the, uh, the enormous popularity, the exponential, uh, exponentially growing popularity of uh, the East End? It just seems to me at some point it's going to be so choked up that summers will be horrific. I mean, I, I, I'm taking my boat to Manhattan because I want to avoid uh, the, the traffic. It's a long way by boat. It's four hours. Uh, but it begins to approach that, given the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the traffic on the various highways and byways. Uh, and, and not only that, it's also a lot more fun. And I love to think of uh, this area as I did as a, as a young man, as a, as a seafaring place with a tremendous tradition, one that you have uh, long recognized in your journalistic efforts. Uh, so. Uh, here I am. Um, my career at, uh, at Fox News has ended. Uh, I'm doing The View on, uh, on Thursday on ABC uh, to talk about some of the circumstances of my leaving Fox after 22 years. Uh, but as you alluded, I've been in the business since 1970. Uh, so uh, it's almost but Labor Day will be 23, uh, uh, 53 years, 53 years in the uh, in the TV news business. Well, I will tell you, I, uh, some years ago, I was in the Peloponnesian Peninsula in Greece, and I was at a resort toward the end, which on Fridays I had all roads going into the resort from Athens one way, and then on Sunday, the other way. I think that's a great idea. You could solve a problem that way, maybe, and it would work. I don't know about that. Um, And as far as uh, some of the other things go, um, I was struck reading your biography about there was some some time you were assaulted on the air and somebody bit your nose or whatever. What was that? Oh, well, we've had a very robust, very physical uh, half century on television. Uh, You know, I... uh, I, I grew up mainly as a teenager in West Babylon, uh, Long Island, and uh, solved lots of problems with uh, with my 
with my fists and my nose and my jaw extended. And, uh, uh, they, I had a couple of, I had a couple of brawls on the air that were epic and historic. Uh, but one thing I've always done is try to stick up for the underdog. That's where I know Vicky Schnapps because she's a famous fighter for the underdog in terms of the developmentally disabled. And so are you. You know, that's the part of my career that I prefer to emphasize rather than my the rowdy stuff. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. Uh, you talk about how you got into this business in the first place. Well, I got into the business uh, very briefly. I was a lawyer for a Puerto Rican activist group called the Young Lords in uh, Spanish Harlem. And they were... Uh, as many activist groups were doing at the time, protesting in this particular case, uh, uh, the lack of services to the very underserved East Harlem neighborhood, the Young Lords, uh, the first real Puerto Rican activist group, not uh, focused on the independence of Puerto Rico, but rather on the plight of Puerto Ricans in the uh, in the continental U.S., uh, I got discovered, to make a long story short, I got uh, recruited by a program uh, designed to integrate the segregated news business of uh, uh, in New York and in the rest of the country in 1968, 1969, 1970. Uh, virtually no black or Latino reporters or anchors. And so I was recruited to this program designed to integrate the news business and sent to Columbia Journalism School uh, for three months. And then when I got out, I was working, I got a job uh, immediately. I was actually sponsored at the uh, through the program by WABC Channel 7, Eyewitness News. And so I went to work for Eyewitness News on Labor Day 1970. Uh, in January 1972, I got the, uh, the tip of a lifetime, I guess you would say at the time. Uh, uh, I got a uh, information about a horrible institution for the developmentally disabled called Willowbrook. Um, I was, uh, the conditions were described, how the developmentally disabled, uh, mainly children, were being uh, mistreated, uh, uh, horrible, uh, horrible conditions. Uh, the whole concept of, of uh, institutionalizing, mass-producing the care of this population was bankrupt. Uh, exposed the conditions and and with Vicky Schnepps and others uh, began a movement to deinstitutionalize the care and treatment of the developmentally disabled and uh, had worked very hard on that uh, over the years, helped Vicky and uh, other charities to open the community-based residences for the population and uh, hopefully helped uh, uh, the the arc uh, of the of care of this very needy population. Uh, now there's an understanding of, uh, you know, the better way to take care of or to provide services for this community. And, you know, uh, it's the work is never done. Uh, it's a, they're constantly uh, more and more uh, intellectually and emotionally and uh, physically disabled people who need help, uh, and that's uh, it's been my passion. Uh, aside from uh, uh, part of my professional duties, also 
It's a deeply personal uh, feeling. I have affection for the population. I think that was the beginning of a time when they began to uh, open up and then release all of the mentally ill and close down these horrific old hospitals, or they really weren't hospitals. They were holding company, holding places, things like uh, the one in Garden, where was it? Out on what then was way out on Long well, Creed, Creedmoor uh, in Queens. Uh, the, you, you think of Creedmoor and Kings Park and Pilgrim State, I think Pilgrim was- State, right? Uh, the, the, the the there's two separate stories. Yeah. There's the population that was once described as mentally retarded. Uh, that's a that's a word now that is considered a horrible pejorative, and I never utter it except uh, when I need it to explain uh, what happened. So the the that group and the mentally ill were different to the extent that the former was kids with cerebral palsy or Down syndrome or other uh, 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 severe intellectual or physical disabilities. The latter group, the mentally ill that you were referring to, the ones that were released from the institutions a couple of three or four years later, or the people with schizophrenia and bipolar, uh, you know, with uh, people with normal or sometimes above normal intellect, uh, but uh, who had some uh, uh, some aberration, uh, uh, some uh, something like uh, the the bipolar, the schizophrenia, the psychotic, uh, you know, people that we used to as children describe as crazy. Uh, rather than, uh, than 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 disabled, uh, of course, there's crossover, and you know, uh, I, I, the reason I, I bring that up, Dan, is that our effort to provide services to the developmentally disabled uh, is threatened by the intensely negative image of post-institutionalized, mentally ill, homeless people, for example, uh, others who, uh, you know, who are visibly on the streets. That's not the population our charities are aimed at, although it is definitely a, a righteous, a righteous cause. It has a different bundle of uh, issues uh, wrapped in it. And I, 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 I think that when you consider the Pilgrim State and and, uh, and Creedmoor, they were different than Willowbrook. Willowbrook is, you know, when you have a severely disabled person with, uh, you know, a, an IQ of 50 or whatever of a, uh, of, of a toddler, uh, it, it's, they, the needs are so specific and so different. I mean, we can have a further discussion about it, but I think that that. Uh, well, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about probably something you don't often talk about, which is uh, the Hamptons. What, what do you like about coming out here? Why do you come out? Well, I I started uh, when I got my first real job and could afford to share uh, <laughs> the the even then uh, high rents of the region and it was wonderful to be you know uh, 
uh, have a kind of New York milieu in a in a rural nautical setting. First going to Sag Harbor and uh, Shelter Island and some of the other Hamptons in between over the years, Border Mill and Bridgehampton and East Hampton and Amagansett. Never lived in Montauk, but uh, I've seen, you know, visiting friends. Uh, the the life, the Hamptons life is uh, is wonderful, exhilarating. Uh, sometimes uh, w- when you try to move around too much, if I, as I as we started uh, discussing then, uh, you know, frustrating. But uh, I I love like right now in Hampton Hampton Bays, I've got the boat outside uh, looking at uh, Tiana Bay, and it's. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's so it's as lovely as any place on earth for these months of summer. One of the things I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about is the recent surge in people being bitten by sharks. Uh, I, there have been uh, five of them this year. There were none last summer. There were was one the summer before. So it seems to be something that now is happening. And well, I I. I so I thought I saw either it was a, a shark or a, a big seal as I uh, went from uh, Hampton Bays to uh, to Manhattan last week, off Jones Beach. I, I've seen plenty of sharks over the years. They tend to be more in the uh, the slightly uh, uh, cooler, less fished areas off uh, the elbow of Cape Cod. Uh, they get they tend to be bigger there. Than they are here, but sharks go where the food is, and people, uh, you know, who are dancing around in the surf look like food to sharks. So, uh, well, you know, I think it's a it's a real issue. I think what they're saying is that uh, they apparently tried to say start saving Manhattan, which are these little tiny silver fish that are food for the sharks, but love to be along the shore. So the sharks have come in more. I think that's what's going on. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, humans. It's it, it's, uh, it's fascinating and scary, and that's why my wife saw Jaws when she oh. was a child, and uh, she won't go swimming in the ocean now. That's <laughs> a long time. Yeah, I saw, I actually I saw one of the first things you did, which was Al Capone's vault, which, as I recall, was empty. But, uh, you, you oh, Al Capone's vault was empty, except it contained enormous ratings. Yeah, uh, it made me an object of ridicule. But I was unemployed at the time I did it. I had twenty-two job offers the next day, so sure. it was a lot of fun. And you look back on it, nobody was hurt. <laughs> the fact that it was empty uh, showed that it was an honest effort. It was a brilliant idea, I thought, at the yeah, time. Well, uh, uh, you know, been the object of countless jokes since uh but i had fairly thick skin and i lasted 52 years in this uh crazy business so so far so good i think that was part of a time when um uh this place began to get very full of celebrities beginning with people like roy scheider and uh um, steven spielberg who came out here because the book that they were making the movie from was set in the Hamptons. Right. Found it was too busy and they wanted to make it so, uh, you know, remote. So they filmed it in uh, Martha's Vineyard, which uh, was, but but anyway, they had the premiere here 
and uh, also elsewhere, I suppose. It was, it's been a really interesting time to see all the changes. Well, both those people uh, I've run into over the years out here. Uh, Roy was a frequent guest on Good Night America. Uh, Steven Spielberg, we ran into him in Montauk, just a really gracious person, spoke to the family, very nice guy. Uh, but the, the, the movie, uh, you know, really did a disservice to sharks and made sharks, uh, you know, public enemy number one and uh, decimated the population. They've recovered, obviously. That's why you're getting these incidents now. Uh, but uh, that's the downside to... Uh, I'm sorry. That, that's trying to take charge of all the creatures on the planet. Yeah, that's right. Big job for humans. Big, big job for humans. The big job. You've been on Fox for 2022 years. I'm um, out. I'm out of Fox as of last Friday. It was my last day. They had a very elegant. Uh, I have a theory about all the lying, and I think it goes like something about if you get really mad enough, you'll start to lie to somebody who you're angry at. And I think that's a human trait. You must, if you someone kept somebody waiting for a half hour, became an hour, they you you say I was here for two hours or whatever, and I think that's what's happened to the Republicans. I think it's a perfectly good party, but they're just over the wall, <laughs> and 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 the Democrats I think should probably be doing the same thing. I mean, it's gone on since Bush and and uh, Gore. I would like to see the Democrats and the Republicans agree that the next candidates for president should be under 65. Yes. Uh, that, uh, uh, you know, you want someone more robust than uh, octogenarians like myself. Uh, <laughs> and and I, uh, between Trump and Biden, uh, you know, that's uh, 160 years uh, almost. Uh, I'd like to see for example, Ron DeSantis versus Gavin Newsom would be an interesting race, one that people would be more, I think, uh, uh, committed to paying attention to. But, uh, you know, I think Nikki Haley is also uh, uh, interesting. Chris Christie uh, on the Democratic side. Uh, I, I like uh, Kathy Hochul, our governor, is, is she seems to be doing a, a fine job. There's plenty of... Uh, members of the, uh, in, in, you know, state houses and, uh, and the United States Senate who would qualify with, with enormous experience and still the vivacity of, uh, vivaciousness, I should say, of, uh, uh, of relative youth. But to have 82-year-olds uh, who will be 86 at the end of their term, not everybody is Warren Buffett. Uh, <laughs> not everybody lives to be 92 and... Uh, and still can click their heels. Well, we're doing all right. We're doing all right, but would you want to be president right now? No. <laughs> <Yeah>, me either. <laughs> Thank you for I'd rather be on my boat. <laughs> uh, is it a sailboat or a motorboat? I mean, I've had sailboats all my life. This, this is a Hinkley. I have a uh, uh, motorboat I've had for 23 years. Good. Well, it's good to talk to you, and thanks for being on the podcast. I hate to cut you off. Which, oh, no uh, problem. I'll, I'll see you someday on there, uh, as long as we don't get caught in traffic, Dan. Good luck. Tomorrow, I'll be just watching and see what happens. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye.